When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to the Friday Picks and Preview Pod on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Nathan Barrett, Stephen Means. We're also going to do rapid fire on this because, listen, ah, we didn't talk to anybody. It's like I, I, we're trying to figure out if they're going to have a game. It feels like as we record this at 4 p.m. on Thursday for the Friday pod that all systems are go for Ohio State at Michigan State noon on Saturday. But we haven't talked about football. We're just trying to find out if there is football. Then if there is football, what's going to happen? I don't know. So I, we don't have as much to analyze. So we're going to do rapid fire. So we'll do a, give our picks, give our two Big Ten picks, and then we'll run through a bunch of questions that Nathan has gathered, a call out from the texters. We appreciate everybody who sends us questions. We send you info. You send us questions, 614-350-3315. And let's just dive right in. This is a game. That Ohio State is obviously heavily favored. The officially unofficial bookmaker, Buckeye Talk, Tyler Shoemaker on Twitter, sent us his score predictions based on his formula. He has Ohio State 42, Michigan State 16, which would mean by his formula, Ohio State would cover what the line is because it started off at 24. It is now Ohio State favored by 23 and a half. So, Nathan Baird, your pick. You taking the Buckeyes to cover, or are you going to go ahead and take those points with the fighting Spartans of Michigan State? I am taking the Buckeyes to cover. I am picking 41 to 16, which I guess is is similar You're to kidding what? kidding me. You're kidding me. Tyler Shoemaker picked 42 to 16, and then you, <laughs> you randomly picked 41 to 16 out of all the numbers in the universe. Well, I mean, it's not random. Obviously, I have my own scientific formula that I pour over every – uh, I spend a, a pre- pretty much any week- waking moment that I'm not writing content or texting or doing a podcast is spent um, working on the math that will come up with the score that I use to pick these games. So, so it's not random. So no time, because literally every waking hour you are writing, researching, or doing a podcast. <laughs> Seems the, like it sometimes. The reason that I'm freaking out is because that is the exact score that I picked, 41 <laughs> to 16. And that was before I looked at Tyler Shoemaker's thing. 41 to 16 is such a random thing. So I'm just going to say when we do my pick, it's just the same thing Nathan said. So Nathan, go ahead and speak on behalf of both of us since we have the exact same score. I mean, it's just we obviously don't know exactly who will or won't play for Ohio State on Saturday. And we'd be lying if we told you for sure that we knew. So, uh, but there's nothing that leads me to believe that they were testing numbers were worse than they were at this time a week or by the end of last week. And uh, I, I expect that they will have essentially the same talent disparity that they would have had if this game had not been 
if they not had the, the COVID situation that they had, as far as we know. So I'm basing my pick on that. I think this is a, basically what I would have picked regardless. And I think probably if all systems were go and Ohio State had not canceled last weekend and maybe gone out and just, I don't know, had a nice win against Illinois. And if Michigan State had not beaten Northwestern, this line would be bigger. This feels like almost the smallest this line could be. Given the talent at Ohio State, the lack of talent at Michigan State, Mel Tucker is just trying to restart that program. I mean, the fact that they've gone out and won a couple games against Northwestern and Michigan is a a great testament to them because they don't have the horses right now. So to me, it feels like you're, you're kind of getting in on something here to only have to give up 23 and a half to take the Buckeyes. Now, neither Nathan nor I picked Ohio State to win by 50. So, you know, we're not, we're not leaning in too far on this, but it feels like a nice smooth cover here. So Nathan and I, again, exact same score. Steven, what's your score? 45 to 10 for a lot of those same reasons. I just think the talent gap is too wide, even if there are – maybe some some weapons that could be missing in this game. I think as long as Justin Fields and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson are out there for Ohio State, they're going to score with an ease, and Michigan State is not going to be able to put up the level of points that other – like maybe Indiana was able to put up because Rocky Lombardi isn't Michael Penix Jr. So I, maybe they get a big playoff, but I just think the talent gap is wide enough where Ohio State should co- comfortably cover this. So the team – that's more of the known quantity for this game is Michigan state because they aren't having a COVID issue that we know of. And they just beat the leader in the big 10 West last week. The fact that Michigan state is coming off a win over Northwestern. Does that, does that factor into anything at all? Did you guys think to yourself, well, you know, they're coming off a big win. Maybe they'll have, they won't be able to get up for this game as much because they just put out so much last week. Or did it make you pause and say, you know what? Maybe Michigan State's better than people think. They just beat Northwestern. Or did you just take it as one of those things? Whatever. Stuff happens. Northwestern's a good team, but they aren't as stacked with talent as Ohio State. So that then last week's game for Michigan State is almost irrelevant in your analysis of this. That's exactly how I looked at it. Michigan State can be better than people think they are, but Ohio State is still that wide of a talent gap that there isn't much that Michigan State's going to be able to – a lot would have to go wrong for Ohio State for them to not cover this. I would expect Ohio State to beat um, Northwestern probably by about a similar spread at this point. Yeah. I think, you know, they, they might not be able to score quite as prolifically against Northwestern as they can against Michigan State, but uh, Northwestern Michigan State are probably scoring about the same range. So it might be a little yep. less. It might be like 38 to 16 instead of 41. Michigan State's talent level is closer to Northwestern's. The Northwestern's talent level is closer to Ohio State's. Now, here we go. Sometimes I open the door for you guys and you just come through swinging. Now, all of a sudden, you're saying that you view Northwestern, who if Ohio State plays Michigan State and then plays a game next week, Ohio State's playing Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. And at this point, your analysis of that projected Big Ten Championship game is the same as your analysis of this game, which is Ohio State versus an overmatched Michigan State team. You now view Michigan State and Northwestern on the same level. No, I just think no. there's a there's Ohio State and then there's everybody else in the, in the Big Ten where regardless of what your record is this year, you're all pretty – there's not that wide of a gap in talent between a lot of those teams. While with Ohio State, they're on an island by themselves. So while – you know, Northwestern might blow out Illinois or Michigan State or lose to Michigan State. None of those teams are keeping up with Ohio State. Indiana is the only team who was capable of doing that. 
They're not, they're not on the same level, but it's a bell curve. Ohio State's on one end of the bell curve, the very, very elite end of the bell curve. And then Michigan State and Northwestern are both in that big hump in the middle. And sometimes you can slide around in there week to week. And Northwestern, most weeks, is on the good end of that. But last week they weren't. Um, they're more vulnerable to that kind of game. And I think if – I mean, if, if they were – if I, don't you think we're going to be picking similar scores when Northwestern and Ohio State play at in Indianapolis? Especially indoors. Probably. I'm trying to so, think. I don't have in front of me what the 2018 game was. When I, I think Northwestern played it for the Big Ten championship. And yeah. Yeah, I, I might pick, I might pick again, a slightly lower score for Ohio State, just because I, I do respect Northwestern's defense to some extent, but it also gave it 29 points to Michigan State last week. So, yeah, I think, I think Northwestern does have a pretty solid defense, but Michigan State had, Michigan State played well last week. But okay, so we're all in the same range. The three of us, Tyler Shoemaker, are all in the same range. I think you're probably getting an extra three or four points that you wouldn't normally get if you're picking the Ohio State side. You're not giving up as much as you. I think normally this is like a 28-point spread, and it's 23-and-a-half because of what happened last week, which is no Ohio State game and Michigan State beat Northwestern. So I think this is a chance. I mean, again, I wouldn't bet any money on Big Ten football this year because it is crazy. But if you're going to, this feels like a week maybe to do it. This feels like a week maybe to do it. And I say that. Coming off a week where Steven was 0-2, yeah. I was 0-2, and, and Nathan was 1-1. One and 1. So that's to keep that in mind as we move on to our Big Ten picks. Overall for the season, Steven 11-6. and 6. Steven 10-2 and 2 at one point. Now 1-4. and 4 to, killing me. 1-4 and 4 the last two reversals. 11-6 for Steven. I'm 10-7. and 7. Nathan is 8-8-1. Eight, eight and one. And typical me last week, I was correct – to say, hey, I wouldn't take the Northwestern side of that Michigan State game. That Northwestern was given 13 against Michigan State. Steven took that and lost on it. I said, hey, I wouldn't do that. But I wasn't smart enough to actually pick it. So the two games I actually picked, I picked two favorites who lost straight up. I picked Michigan, who was favored over Penn State. They lost. I picked Purdue, who was favored by 12 over Rutgers and lost. Nathan had Iowa minus 13 and a half. They did beat Nebraska, but they didn't cover. So he lost on that. The only win for us last week, Indiana minus 12 over Maryland. So we covered a lot of games and got almost all of them wrong. With that, let's make our picks for this week. So there's only four other games that are on the slate because we know Northwestern Minnesota canceled. Maryland, Michigan canceled. We'll run through the rest of these games. Penn State, Penn State Rutgers, Penn State Rutgers. Rutgers started off, it's a Rutgers, it's at Rutgers. Rutgers was getting 10 initially, now they're getting 11. So it's Penn State favored by Rutgers, favored over Rutgers by 11. Steven, are you taking this game? Penn State Rutgers. No, I ha- I'm staying away from Penn State for the rest of the season. I just can't do it. Well, that's one of those things. I mean, I feel that way about every single team in the Big Ten. So it's one of those, it's like, well, I'm staying away from Iowa. I'm staying away from Indiana. I'm staying away from Purdue. I'm staying away from Michigan. I've stayed away from, it's just, I, I don't, I don't no. know who you're supposed to pick anymore. So I respect the fact of yes, stay away from Penn state, but there's only four other games and we got to pick two of them. Nathan, are you taking no. Penn state Rutgers? No. And I mean, my brain tells me still that Penn state should win this game going away, uh, easily cover 11 points. But then I put myself in the frame of someone actually putting money they could spend on something else on this game. And then my like queasy gut tells me I don't want any part of it. Why does your gut tell you that just because like Penn state's supposed to have better players than Rutgers, 
Like in the yes. abstract. Yeah. Yes. I can say he does have better players than Rutgers, but just something's I, I think you've got a, a situation there where, where one program has uh, found a, a footing is, is doing something with it. And the other one is just a little bit scrambled right now. I just, uh, but you keep waiting that maybe it'll turn it on, but you don't want to take that chance. And so it's hard. It's like, did Penn state find something last week? Again, I picked, I picked Michigan last week. Penn state gets its first win of the season against Michigan. It's like, okay, now they're one and five and they're ready to turn it on for the stretch drive to try to finish four and five. Is that where we are? So I am taking this game and in the spirit of be nice to Rutgers, I'm taking Rutgers. Rutgers, and it's the last three weeks for Rutgers. They lost to Illinois by three. They lost to Michigan in triple overtime, and they beat Purdue by seven. So now they're at home. They're a home dog getting 11 against a Penn State team that has looked like crap for most of the year. I don't know if Rutgers is going to win, but I think either, I think there's two possibilities here. One is Rutgers hangs and, and whether they win or not, like it's just a competitive game all the way. And it's just a 10 point game and I'll take the 11 points and it's legitimately a Rutgers cover. I think that gives me a chance. And then I think the Greg Schiano supercalifragilisticexpialis throw it to a 400 pound guy who flips it over his head and you backdoor your way into a game where Penn state, you know, is up 35, 14, and then, you know, Rutgers scores two touchdowns in the final six minutes for a backdoor cover. I think that's out there, given what Rutgers has done this year. So I believe in the power of Rutgers to cover. I'm taking Rutgers plus 11, and I actually feel okay about it, given what else is out there. Nebraska at Purdue started off as Nebraska getting one, now has moved up to Nebraska getting two. Nathan, you taking the Boilermakers? What are you doing here? I'm taking the Boilermakers and I last week you tried to talk me into taking the Boilermakers and I, I told you I was uh, suspicious of where they were and I was proved correct. I did not take that game, but this one, I feel like I have to kind of put my money where my mouth is. I, I said back when we were doing the tiers that uh, Nebraska was a tier below Purdue right now. They're just not, they can't beat Purdue head to head. They don't even go to bad bowl games like Purdue has in the last couple of years. I was saying that you, maybe not tier head, but certainly you could not put Nebraska in a tier ahead of Purdue right now. And based on this game being in West Lafayette, based on just what we've seen from these two teams this season, I'll take Purdue and uh, expect them to win by field goal. Steven, you taking this one? Yeah, I also took, took Purdue in this one. I think they're just the better team over Nebraska and the game is at home. Rondell Moore is probably the best player in this game. I, yeah, this, I think they're going to win the game. And so I, you know, can they win by a field goal? Yes. Okay. Nebraska beat Penn state. Rutgers is playing. I'm going to try to do a transitive thing. It's like Rutgers just beat Purdue last week. So yeah. you guys have confidence in a Purdue team that just lost, lost to Rutgers. And I'm taking Rutgers. Who's getting 11 against so anyway but you can't i mean the whole thing is that the the big 10 is transitive i'm not sure that anything carries over for anybody Mm -hmm. i mean honestly it's like okay penn state looked better last last week are they going to be good i don't know purdue looked bad last week they lost Rutgers. are they still going to be bad no they'll probably be better right i mean indiana's Indiana's never looked better than when it lost to ohio state right (laughs) the second half of that game they haven't they look not that great against michigan state the week before it they look not that great against maryland last week the second half of that ohio state game they looked like ohio state and now we'll get to this iowa game iowa had three straight very convincing double digit like by 20 points wins in a row 
And then last week against Nebraska, like Nebraska gave them everything they could handle. And Iowa won by six. So now we're getting Iowa at Illinois. Started off Iowa minus 12. It's now Iowa minus 13 and a half. I was ready to pick this game, but then I was asking myself, is Iowa good? I think they're 19th in the, co- in the playoff rankings. I was saying to myself, is Iowa good? Is Iowa good? Because they lost their first two games of the season very close, and now they've won four in a row. I said, is Iowa good? Is Iowa good? And I could not answer that question, so the result was I did not pick this game. Steven, are you picking Iowa, Illinois? No, I didn't pick them either. And along those same reasons, I just don't have enough faith there yet. And the game that's left on the schedule, I think, is where I will win, obviously. But, yeah, no, I did not take this game. Nathan, did you take this? I did. I'm taking Iowa. I'm giving away the, the 13 and a half points. Um, I, I, I understand what you're saying about Iowa. I do know Illinois is not especially good. Um, and I, 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 I don't respect Illinois' offense enough to think that they're going to be able to put up points when Ohio, when Iowa potentially makes them more one-dimensional, which I think could happen. So um, I'm going to take Iowa to win this. And uh, mostly also because th- there's a, there was only one other potential game to pick. And I, I have reasons why I didn't want to take it. Okay. So we'll get to that game. It's Indiana, Purdue, no, excuse me. It's Indiana, Wisconsin, and it should be a great game, except Michael Penix tore his ACL and is out for the year, which yep. stinks. And so I wasn't going to take this because I was talking myself into the Iowa-Illinois game. And then I thought about the Stephen Means sort of, this just looks easy. Just take it. What are you doing? Indiana's quarterback got his leg ripped off. And like, he's the guy that makes everything go for Indiana. All right. I get it. Wisconsin lost to Northwestern, but Wisconsin's is still pretty good. They're home. 14's a lot. Okay. I get it. It's not. It's not crazy. So it's just like, what is Indiana going to be without Michael Penix? I have no idea. So the, so the thought of like Wisconsin just winning this game 31 to 10 just made a lot of sense. So I just looked at it and didn't overthink it and took the Steven means. Yeah, I'll take Wisconsin. Indiana's quarterback is hurt. Steven, did you think like Steven? Bingo. That's exactly how I thought. Uh, Graham Mertz is, probably the second best quarterback in the big 10 now with you know, Michael Penix jr. Out. And so I'll take those odds any day. It looks crazy, but I mean, we don't know what Jack Tuttle's going to be able to do in this game, but we know what Graham Mertz is going to be able to do in this game. We've seen what his ceiling looks like. So this is, it shouldn't be this easy, but it is because one team lost their quarterback and the other one didn't. And the reason I didn't take this game is because I'm, I was actually leaning the other way that I thought I would take Indiana getting that many points, even on the road. I, I liked their chances to, to be able to keep that under 14 points. My problem was I, because I've seen other games and the two I just mentioned earlier are examples. Penix didn't play that well at Michigan state through two ugly picks in the first half. They didn't score in the second half, but they won that game 24 to nothing. Uh, he didn't look that great against Maryland before he got hurt last week. The, the offense is really struggling in the first half of that game, but they still won that game. Indiana has been able to win games without Michael Penix doing what he did in the second half against Ohio state. And I think that has colored our perception of them a little bit, but because I don't know what Jack Tuttle is going to do, I didn't feel confident enough to take that side of it. And everybody knows just as a heads up, Jack Tuttle is the kid at the high school in San Diego that Ryan day went to see when he found Chris Olave. So Jack Tuttle was a guy, you know, he was a pretty big quarterback. He was a lead 11 guy, I think. Yes. So he's the guy he's stepping in for Michael Penix. He's got a little bit of a pedigree. It's just hard because Indiana and its biggest game of the year really showed out against Ohio state. 
and Wisconsin and its biggest game of the year lost to Northwestern. And so it's like, okay. And now it's like, well, if both of those things settle back to the mean a little bit, then it's like, well, Wisconsin's better than what they showed against Northwestern. And Indiana is not quite as good as what they showed in the second half against Ohio state. Then I think it makes it even easier to take Wisconsin in this one. But Nathan, I do think you make an important point that Tom Allen defense does some stuff. Fry Fogle and uh, Watt Fillier do some stuff that they still have guys who are going to play pretty well. I'm very curious about, I mean, Graham Mertz was not great against Northwestern about sort of this Graham Mertz, Wisconsin offense against this Tom Allen, Indiana defense. Will Indiana, is it possible Indiana still gets the better of that? So it is a lot to give up, but in the not overthinking it realm of things, it just felt like no panics. Wisconsin minus 14, grab that baby. I think what you said about Tom Allen's defense, I think plays into the point of why you would pick this game though. It's because Tom Allen, they're going to get after you. They're going to get some sacks and maybe cause some turnovers. But when you play that aggressive, that means sometimes you're also going to give up a big play, which is how, you know, Wisconsin can score some points while Northwestern, they a lot of times just sat back and said, can you drive on us? And obviously that's a little bit harder to get big plays when you have playing a defense who doesn't want to give that up. So, you know, they, it could be a game where they only score 14 points because they're turning the ball over, or they could score 45 points because they turn the ball over a little bit, but also they threw some 60 yard touchdown passes. You know, Ohio state was able to do that despite all of its struggles because it has yeah. Justin Fields and the guys it has. I don't know if I'm ready to give Wisconsin that level of confidence yet that it could do the same thing. It's a, it's a test of how good is Wisconsin. We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Wisconsin, I think, would like to remind people how good they are and that, okay, Northwestern has a pretty good defense and they didn't play well that day. But, you know, Wisconsin, if we were once talking about them, at least I was, as like an edge of the playoff kind of team, if they are more that team, if they are really sort of the upside Wisconsin that we thought they might be, then they need to go win this game 38-14 and take care of business. And I think I think that's on the table. All right, those are our picks. We'll take a quick break. Rapid fire. We're coming back. We have some nonsense questions. We have some football questions. It's just been a weird week for talking about football. We did a whole big thing about the Michigan game. Make sure you, you catch that big Thursday pod two hours. Plus we did not get to the rapid fire there. Like we planned to. So Nathan gathered them up. He saved them up and we'll get to them next on Buckeye talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird taking over the driver's seat from Dig- Doug Maurice here with Steve Means. We're running through the rapid-fire questions that we had left over after the big Thursday pod. Thanks for those of you who sent them in. If you're not a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. We've uh, really loaded that up this week. There's been obviously a lot of developments pretty much every day of the week, and we've been throwing a lot of stuff at you. And it's been great to get the feedback from everybody who is a subscriber. We appreciate it. Um, we're glad that you uh, have been appreciating that. So we're going to kind of run through some of these questions. Here was one that I thought was really um, relevant yesterday. I think it brings up kind of an interesting topic from the 267. Do you find it interesting that Barry Alvarez appears to be supportive of OSU and working on getting them into the playoff? He was a big proponent back in 2014 when he was on the committee. This is twice now that he's gone to bat for the Buckeyes. It's going to lead into some some larger playoff discussion, I think, here that we can get into because there were some other texture questions about that. But I kind of had the same uh, feeling yesterday that this is Barry Alvarez is a very influential athletic director. Longtime head coach of the football team, been the athletic director now for a long time, a, a big uh, player in the Big Ten. And I think his words have influence. And I think him speaking up this way was kind of sending a message around the Big Ten to anyone who might not have already been thinking this way, that there was value in helping Ohio State, even if it means bending some of these rules that they kind of made up on the fly 
and don't necessarily have a lot of basis in um, strategy to begin with. No surprise at all. I, I don't know why anybody would be surprised. This is how it's supposed to be. And Bill Rabinowitz, in the book he wrote about the Ohio State's national championship season, Buckeye Rebirth, I know he talked to Barry Alvarez in that book and had a chapter on that. And Barry Alvarez was very influential. Barry Alvarez is exactly the kind of guy you want on your side when you're Ohio State. And it's exactly what a power player in the Big Ten should do. These are your guys. What's good for Ohio State is good for Wisconsin, is good for the Big Ten. So, so yes, Barry Alvarez, the idea that anybody in a conference would be like, well, that's not fair. Why do we cater to the big boy? It's like, what are you talking about? You want your best team. However you decide what that team is, you want your best team to have the best shot possible to go win a national title. That's what it's all about. So, yes, Barry Alvarez, influential in 2014 and influential now. This is, and this is one of these, like, this is why you're in a conference, so whenever you're like, hey, if Ohio State fans are frustrated and think we should go to the ACC, we should be independent. Barry Alvarez being Barry Alvarez is the kind of thing that's like, hey, it's nice to have somebody who's got our back. But it's not it's it's self-serving for Barry Alvarez because someday Barry Alvarez thinks Wisconsin will be mm-hmm. in Ohio State's position. So he wants whatever Big Ten team is in that position. It just so happens that basically in the playoff era, it's been Ohio State. He wants that Big Ten team, Big Ten team X, to have the best opportunity. It's smart. It's the way it should work. And even if there are some conference jealousies, it's one of those things just like family. It's like, hey, you know, I could be mad at my brother, but like if Clemson or Alabama or, you know, the, the Alabama AD or the, the conference com- the SEC commissioner is saying things like why the Big Ten champ should get in, then Barry Alvarez stands up and says, hey, 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 the Big Ten champ should get in. This is exactly how it should work. Thank you, Barry Alvarez. And it's even well, more important when, I mean, we've seen in the past where because because Ohio State, the Big Ten has had, the, had Gene Smith in that room instead of Barry Alvarez, so he had to be excluded from that room where they were having certain discussions. That could have also led into why a Big Ten team has been out of the playoff in 17 and 18 because of that. We came down to a Big Ten team or a Big 12 team and the Big 12 team run out, one out. So, yeah, it becomes even more important now that you can actually be in that room and don't have to be excluded that you have a voice in there who's going to fight for you regardless of who the Big Ten team is. Well, Gary Bart is the one that's actually in the room right now is the Iowa AD who yeah. is the, the – chair spokesperson whatever of the, the the committee i actually think that there might be a more of a you scratch my back i scratch yours thing going on here too um we we talked yesterday about what was potentially out there as far as what the big 10 could do with the championship weekend situation that none of those games are set in stone yet they're, they're supposed to be crossover games but we all we speculated that maybe if the michigan game doesn't get played that maybe they could who knows, maybe they could try to do something with it that because they haven't scheduled anything yet. That's just kind of a theory that we're throwing out there. We know who else didn't play this year, Wisconsin and Minnesota. I almost wonder if like, is Barry Alvarez kind of getting out in front and saying, let's help Ohio state. And then maybe that gets him one more ally on the back end of things to, um, because I think Wisconsin and Minnesota may want to try to play each other too. If they have that opportunity rather than just play a, a less meaningful crossover. The, the, The one caveat there being that right now, based on the rules, it would line up as being Ohio State and Wisconsin playing each other, and there's no way that the TV partner is going to let them get out of that. Well, it, it wouldn't line up as Wisconsin-Ohio State unless Ohio State misses one of these games. Oh, so I'm saying if the Michigan yeah. game weren't played next right, week right. and Ohio State couldn't get a replacement game for that. Yeah. 
I think Barry Alvarez is a pragmatist in a lot of this stuff that it's like, well, we made a rule or it's not fair. We stuck to this. And he's like, listen, man, let's do what's smart and what's best. And if we've got to, you know, change the rules midstream, so be it. So again, God bless pragmatism because sometimes in the name of trying to do whatever you make a rule and you box yourself into the rule. And if it's like, well, we've got to stick to the rule. It's like, why? It's not what's best for anybody anymore. Let's be pragmatists. Let's do what's right. So Barry Alvarez has been around long enough to, I think, understand how the world works. And um, often, and it's that's to Ohio State's advantage because often like the world works a little better when like Ohio State's involved. Just, you know, from all standpoints, they're popular, they're good. Why wouldn't you want them there? Again, I mean, it's great to have an equal playing field, but sometimes it's not bad to give the best team the benefit of the doubt. This is uh, Steve from the 360. We're sticking on playoff talk. Can you speculate on a scenario in which the playoff committee either A, moves the playoff back to allow for more games to be played, or B, expands at the last minute? I don't think either of those things are likely. Um, I suppose the one that would make the most sense would be just to move the games back. I think to add more games at this point, add more teams, is just logistically adds a whole other layer of, of problems. Um, if I suppose for some reason they can move them back, but really they're still on track right now to get what they want. They're still on track to get Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio state in the final four. I don't think that the playoff committee right now feels a tremendous amount of pressure. And then like worst case scenario, it's, it might be like Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida, which is a step down from Ohio state, I guess, as far as like national profile, but that's still pretty good for the playoff. I don't think they're that worried about it. I don't think they're going to expand. I just think it opens up the conversation to do it in the future. I do think if they were going to move it, I think you're right. They're on track for things to happen. If they were going to move it back, at least two of those teams would have to have crazy COVID outbreaks where it's not like with Ohio State where they shut down for a week and now they're back on track to play Michigan State. Like they're out for three weeks. Alabama has a crazy outbreak for two, two, two or three weeks as well to where, okay, two of the teams that we know are going to get in are now maybe not going to be able to play that weekend. I think that's the only way. So I do think, so championship weekend is December 19th. If, if somebody can't play championship weekend, now it's Christmas weekend. So are you moving it back to that? And if you're moving it back to that, now, now you only have a week to the semifinals. I could see a scenario where if even one of the teams that's scheduled for championship weekend in a power five conference has an outbreak that when you start moving it back, you don't move it back to Christmas. And then you don't, now you're only like, you only have a two week period right now as mm -hmm. it stands between championship weekend and the semifinals. I could see a world where if it can't go championship weekend, you end up delaying championship weekend or the remaining parts of championship weekend until where the semifinals were. Then you move the semifinals like to where the championship game was. And then you move the championship game back. Cause it's just getting dicey with sort of like holidays, campus stuff. Well, now if we're going to have this, why don't we, you know, cause you don't want it to be okay. Well, somebody couldn't play on the 19th. Now maybe they could play on the 26th, but we're not sure. Maybe you just step back, let everybody chill out, get set and then play the week after. So, you have to remember the, the calendar. We are really for all the wiggle room that some conferences other than the big 10 had, we're really compressed right now. It's we're out of wiggle room. We're really compressed. Think about, I mean, I, seriously, December 19th, the next weekend's Christmas, the next weekend's the semifinals. That's the schedule as it stands. 
So all it takes is an outbreak at Bama or Clemson or Notre Dame or Ohio State or Florida or whatever. Somebody who's in that championship weekend. And I think you're all of a sudden at pushing everything back territory, maybe. And then the other thing is they're not going to expand. The NFL has talked about going to they've already expanded from six playoff teams at each conference to seven. They have talked about expanding to eight if the schedule got wacky, but that doesn't add any time. You're just taking buys away from teams because they've already taken the buy away from the two seed in each conference. All that would do is take a, a buy away from the one seed to add anything in college football right now. Nathan, as you said off the top, now you're adding games, you're adding weekends, you're adding time and they're not going to add time. So no expansion, but I would be on alert for pushing stuff back. If, if even one team has a serious outbreak. I, I guess so. I, I, there's part of me, though, that thinks like, OK, let's say for some reason the ACC championship game can't be played. I, if you're the ACC, I mean, wouldn't you just name Notre Dame your champion? You know, Clemson's getting in anyway. Uh, and then you just move along with it. Like, I just I, I don't know what the scenario. I think it almost have to be like multiple conferences. And even then, I, I still think that maybe they just name their champions because they're getting in the playoff anyway. I mean, you know, we, we pretend that there's sometimes like. Uh, not so much us. I think we're cynical enough, but I think people sometimes think of this like virtue that's like tied into the college football playoff. And I don't, I don't really see it that way. I think they, I think if it's already kind of lined up for them, I think they'll just run with it. Conference championship hilarious. games are big money. They have, they're yeah. sponsored. That's a big money. That's different than a regular. That's true. That's game. fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. So you're, you're losing something off the top there. And like, so what do you tell Florida? Florida's trying to beat Alabama. Yeah. Alabama has an outbreak or, or Florida or Bama can't play for an outbreak on either team. And Florida's like, well, just can, we have to delay it until we can play it. And SEC's mm-hmm. like, ah, sorry, it's over. Like, I don't know. I just think. You would say I, the same thing the playoff committee is telling them right now, which is you lost to Texas A&M, Texas A&M lost to Alabama. That's why you're not in the top four. But you're taking away their chance to play a championship game to, to give themselves another chance on the field, especially if it's the other team. The idea that they would just bag it and not play that they gone this far with this whole regular season to then get to conference championship weekend, have one team have an outbreak and be like, Oh, well, no championship games. I don't know because I don't know why they're set. There's not going to be fans as, as the Rose bowl announced today. Like there's not going to be, there's not as much of a logistical problem of moving stuff back. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting conundrum because there, there are multiple things at play here, but one of the things at play is money. And as big, as big of a deal as the playoff is from a money standpoint, I just don't know. You might make more money if you move some conference championship games back to New Year's Day, move back to semifinals, move back to championship game, unless they had a calculus that said, no, that's, we're going to lose money. We would make more money in the end by bagging the conference championship games. Money would come into it, though. But whatever this is, the Dr. Pepper, the Dr. Shoals, I don't know, whoever sponsors these conference championship games, they are a little bit of a different beast. Another playoff question that I thought was kind of uh, building off of maybe something we talk about on Madness, but it's from the 409. Uh, playoff scenarios, pick the winner of Ohio State versus Florida, Ohio State versus Texas AM, and any other team that could potentially keep them out of the top four. So I thought that was, if we could just kind of go through this real quick, and this can just be quick hits, but out, I'll, I'll name teams, and you guys tell me when I come to one that you think would beat Ohio State. So that we're talking about if Ohio State played these teams on the field. Correct. Who okay. would win? Okay. Who would win? Um, I'll start kind of low. Uh, Georgia, number eight. Ohio State wins. Number seven, Cincinnati. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a good defense. It is. They've gotten their quarterback situation straightened out, supposedly, right? I mean, JT Daniels looked pretty good. 
I wouldn't say Georgia fast. That's a better defense than anything I think we can imagine yeah. in the Big Ten right now. And if they let's, have let's, a competent quarterback, I'm not so sure. It's one of those things. I think Ohio State might win the national championship for real. I still think that for absolutely for sure. But I also think the top eight teams might be pretty squished. And so I think Ohio State could beat Clemson, could beat Alabama, and could beat Notre Dame. I also think it's possible Georgia could beat Ohio State. So I would say so let's, Ohio let's, State, but I'd say it's close. I would Let me say, change it then. Let's do it real quick. Let's do because I started to do this, and I was like, well, I can't do this on the fly, but now I'll try. So do let's do a, a one to ten, how confident you are Ohio State would win the game. Okay, yeah. So Georgia, one to ten. Five. No, now see, now you just changed your mind. Your answer initially was Ohio State. Like I just said, Ohio State wins the game. I didn't say I didn't say they were going to beat them by forty. I could say they win the game by like seven points. That's still winning. The original question was who wins the game, not how much do they win by. So I'm thinking of this like if I'm going to give a number, the way I'm going to think of this is if you're asking me one to ten, I'm going to say how many times out of the ten that I think Ohio yeah. State would win That's the game. Rating. So I was going to say six. So now all of a sudden, I'm the guy who even pulled us back from the threshold of Georgia would lose to Ohio State, no doubt about it. And now somehow my number is higher than Stevens. So I think why we didn't do the rapid fire last night. (laughs) I think Ohio State would beat Georgia six times out of 10 and Georgia would win four. So let's do it that way. And if Steven's answer is he thinks Ohio State and Georgia would split 10 games, then you have completely flipped from where you were 31 seconds ago. So no, I just said they way. would win. Okay, so okay, if they play ten, ahead, ahead. if yeah, they play 10 think, times, how many I think would Ohio State would, win? I think they'd split it. 5 and 5. Okay. Given what That I is mean, there is no through line of thinking from those two things at all. Okay. Cincinnati. This, Cincinnati. Number 7 Cincinnati. 10. 10. Number 6 Florida. 8. You think Georgia would beat Ohio State I think half Georgia, the time, and you think Florida would beat Ohio State twice out of 10? Not right now, how things look, yes. Just based off Georgia has is a more talented team than Florida, and I think Georgia has a better chance of slowing down Ohio State's offense than, than Florida does. You've seen Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, right? Yeah, I think it. that's a shootout. I think Ohio State could win that shootout. Eight times out of 10. Yeah, I think okay. so. I'm a five on Florida. I think it's a yeah, point. I toss. think I would be a five too. I think because, okay. Because so, if we think Florida's defense isn't very good, neither is Ohio State's. So, and then they have two right. powered offenses. Like I said, it's a shootout. And, and Florida would Ohio, lose to eight out of 10 times. Florida would lose. I think Ohio State wins that shootout eight out of 10 times. Okay. And this is, but this is what I was saying two weeks ago that I think there's people in that room right now who think it's a toss up between Florida and Ohio State, who is a better team. And when Florida beat, if Florida were to beat Alabama, I think that causes some problems. And I said, when I first said it two weeks ago, I was okay. But go back and listen. When I first spoke that into existence a couple weeks ago, I was lambasted. Lambasted, I tell you. Uh, Number five, Texas. When you said if Florida beat Alabama, it would be an issue. I lambasted you for the idea that if Florida beat Alabama, Ohio State wouldn't have an issue with that? Yes. I'm going to go listen. I, 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 I was met with uh, widespread 
uh, guffaws, and um, okay. I, I, I was, I was. I'll see I if you characterize it. I'll, I'll, if, and if, and if on the on the post game podcast on Saturday, no, no, I felt no, it no, in my in myself. In no, my, no, and it's fair. And I, I will, I will admit uh, to my uh, uh, my. Uh, it was both attack, of you. It wasn't just you. Which podcast was it? Which uh, podcast was it? Uh, two weeks ago for um, the Picks Pod. The Picks Pod. We do so many podcasts here. It's hard to remember what we do. Yeah. Okay. All right. I may I, have dreamt the whole thing. Uh, number five, Texas A&M. Eight and a half. So, like, I think, I think Texas, would, Texas A&M would beat Ohio State and 10 games would beat them either once or twice. If I had to just lean toward one, I'd say once. So, I'd say a nine. Yeah, I think um, I'm saying. I'm at a nine. And I think, again, I think this is the problem. I think this is exactly – I think this is exactly the conversation that's happening in that room right now. I think there's people in that room that think maybe Florida and Ohio State, there's, a, there's an argument. I don't think they see that same argument with Ohio State and Texas A&M, but I think they feel like they have to put A&M ahead of Florida because A&M won the head-to-head matchup by three points at home. Clemson. Full-strength Clemson, I think, is also a five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might even lean Clemson right now. I might say six Clemson, but it's 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 close. And I think I think it'd be a great game if they got to play it again. Uh, Notre far. Dame. This is the this is the, this is the this is the fun one to me. Number two, Notre Dame. I would say seven. I think Ohio State wins seven out of ten against Notre Dame. I think I'm an eight there, um, and I think the Notre Dame Clemson game is why I'm confidently at an eight. How that game, the first one played out with Trevor Lawrence still not playing. How many points Clemson was still able to put up on that defense? I think that's probably a fair point. Although, I mean, it was 40. It was in overtime, but still, I mean, it was. It was. That, but, I think that's I think that's worth you know. pointing out. Yeah. And then uh, number one, Alabama. Alabama is very, very good. Alabama mm-hmm. is very, very good. Mac Jones is great. Their receivers, even missing Jalen Waddell, are explosive. Najee Harris is a top-tier back. They have a lot of talented defensive players, um, but I don't think their defense is fantastic. I think they have a lot of the same defensive issues at times that almost every team in the country has. I still think if you had to put chips down, if you said to me, I mean, given that Jalen Waddell is out, which is a big deal, but if you said, are you taking Alabama's quarterback receivers and running back or Ohio State's quarterback receivers and running back? I'd take Ohio State. So I maybe... I'm probably like a five and a half, like I'm probably like a four and a half for Ohio state. How do I say this? I think they would either split them. If they played 10 times, maybe Alabama would win six out of 10 right now. I also would like to see what Ohio state's maybe possibly revamped secondary looks like over the next couple of weeks. And that could change my mind, but I think it's basically a toss up, which is the same thing I said about Florida. That is basically a toss up, right? Which is, I think when you look at Bama, Ohio State, and Florida, it's three high-powered offenses led by three awesome quarterbacks who do have skill guys, and then the defenses aren't quite as good to whatever varying degree. So basically basically five, maybe slightly less for Ohio State. I'm at a five, but in watching these two teams over the last couple of weeks, I've gone back and forth leaning Ohio State six to Alabama six. Um, because of a lot of those reasons you just named, but also I think Master Teague's, you know, showing us that he's at least a serviceable back at, to complement this passing attack. While Najee Harris is clearly the best running back in college football, but 
I mean, he doesn't always play like it. When he's loud, he's loud. But he has these moments where you're wondering where Najee Harris is. And so that's what that's the argument for why I would say Ohio State six. But then also, yeah, Alabama's awesome. So you lean back the other way. So I'm at a five because of that. But every week it leans back and forth for which one gets six games. Yeah, I think I'm that way, both with this matchup and the Clemson matchup. I see it kind of swinging both ways. Yeah. I still think those are the three best teams, um, but we, we we may soon find out uh, for sure. So let's take a break here. We're going to come back. We've got one more topic that I think readers really want to hear about. We will get into that on Buckeye Talk. All right, we are back to close out Buckeye Talk. And this is one that has been coming up a lot. We got several people from our tech subscribers asking about this, and it's I don't even know if I need to read a specific question, but it's it's the it's the Urban Meyer scenario. There's a lot of uh, uh, smoke out there, and maybe it's uh, because somebody's already dumped a bucket on some smoldering leaves or, or whatever. But uh, some smoke out there about uh, Texas being interested in Urban Meyer and how much kind of mutual interest there could possibly be in that. And Doug, you've obviously talked to Urban about things like this in the past. I don't know if you talked to him recently, but uh, I guess just for starters. Um, I, if people are curious just how realistic you think it is that he would be making that kind of a jump right now. And if Texas is the kind of place that makes sense for him. So if you think about how many programs in the country are like Ohio state and maybe even how many programs in the country are like Ohio state and like Florida, his last two stops. And that means they are established football powers. They have a commitment from the administration, they have facilities, they have resources, they play in a major conference, and more importantly, they have a fertile recruiting ground for you to go take care of business. And if you are taking care of business, you'll be able to get a lot of great players. Like just based on that, like how many are there? I mean, beyond Ohio State and Florida, how many are there? It's like, okay, well, George is one. Well, George is not coming open anytime soon. And I don't know that Urban Meyer would want to go back to the SEC. LSU might be one. And Coach O, who knows? They probably, I don't know about Coach O. They just won the national championship. But I don't think Urban Meyer would want to go back to the SEC. Does he want to take over for Dabo at Clemson? That's That's only a losing proposition for Urban. Notre Dame's out there. Everybody's like, okay, Notre Dame. Urban loves Notre Dame. If you thought Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly's doing a great job right now. Where's Brian Kelly going? Mm -hmm. All right, so then it's not the SEC. It's probably not anywhere else in the ACC. Florida State, all right, they're trying to get it going under Mike Norvell. Is Urban going to go back to Florida State? I don't know. He's kind of done Florida before. So I don't think it's the ACC. I don't think it's the SEC. There's a lot of smoke about USC a year ago, but actually just like, you know, they don't care as much about football at at USC, not compared to places like Ohio state and Florida and Texas and the big scheme of things. Right. So USC, I guess, fits a lot of it. Anybody else in the PAC 12 really fit it to a T not, not really like Oregon. Not, no. I mean, you sit. All right. So now you go to the big 12. It's like, all right, Oklahoma. Well, I don't know. I mean, what Lincoln Riley, will Lincoln Riley go to the NFL? Maybe they'd try to come to urban if Lincoln Riley went to the NFL and then there's Texas. But Texas probably fits this. Texas is probably the closest thing to Ohio State that exists. You're the big dog. You are, when you are right, you are the big dog. Apologies to Oklahoma. But Texas should be the Ohio State of the, the Big 12. And Oklahoma should be the Michigan or the Penn State. Just given, the, given who they are, given their the state they're in, that's what Texas should be. There's no downside competitively because Texas has been mired in the muck through multiple coaches. Now urban is very good friends with Mac Brown, who was the last coach to succeed at Texas. 
Mac could give Urban a lay of the land. What's up? And so, and I also think the idea that Urban is now would have have had a two full two years off, I think makes it more likely than when we had this discussion a year ago and he had only done the announcing for one year. Now you're going to jump right back in. You've only been out a year. So I think in a lot of ways, it makes sense. I think in almost every way it makes sense, which then it comes down to, does he want to do it? Would he want to do it versus TV versus the gig he has now as a husband, father, grandfather, TV analyst? He has a pretty good gig with that. And so I don't know that it is now a competition of like, well, Texas versus any other theoretical job opening. Well, I don't want to take Texas because what if blank comes open in a year? This is that kind of job. Texas is the job you take if you want to take it. So I don't think it's impossible. I think for the reasons I just spelled out, it's, it makes more sense than when we were having this USC talk a year ago. And so he also left for health reasons. He also has a grandchild in Ohio. I also think if he goes to Texas, Corey Dennis goes as his quarterback's coach, and then his grandchild will be in Austin with him. And so there's a lot of things like that that would come into play. Chris Ash, who is currently the defensive coordinator, would probably stay and be the defensive coordinator. There's a lot of things in place. I have not talked to Urban about this lately. So it's all speculation, but I think a lot of the pieces fit. And it's just going to be a matter of if he wants to do it. But I certainly think it's possible. I agree. I think, but also, is he healthy enough to do it? Because that seems like a taller task than when he came to Ohio State after leaving for some health reasons where, yeah, Ohio State had some sanctions and whatnot, but I don't know if Texas is going to go from what they are now, a dumpster fire, to the year he gets there, they're flirting with an undefeated season. And that's a and Texas is a bigger state to try to lock down. That's a harder place to do that. While with Ohio, we came to Ohio, if he wanted to lock down Ohio and not be as national, he could have easily done that. But I don't know if you're going to be able to do that as easily in Texas. Now, he's a great recruiter. He's probably the greatest recruiter of all time. But that's just a harder demon to, to, to kind of fight with in Texas. Why? Why? Because it's geographically big, bigger? Yeah. Urban Meyer would lock down Texas recruiting in five minutes. I'm not sure it would take that long. <laughs> like that's this is what the guy does and i think it's i mean this is what he he but this is why i think it's intriguing because i would imagine i don't know urban meyer at all but just his the the job he has done throughout his career whether you go um utah florida then ohio state like being able to take a program and make it something it wasn't before is that is what he does or well not that he wasn't before in the case of ohio state for sure but just that you know lifting a program that is his that is what he does as much as winning the national championship at the end of it it's almost the 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 elevation of of the project and be in and i would think that anyone who's done that and anyone who i think maybe enjoys that as almost maybe the central thing about the job that they like in some ways from from things i've read and heard do you think that's not a, an accurate characterization of that i mean i would think that he would look at the the dynamics in Flo- in texas and say man, someone could do something amazing here. And who's better positioned to do that than me? But I think as Steven is saying, there are these other factors that you always have to weigh against that. So Urban grew up in Ashtabula, Ohio. He was the Notre Dame receivers coach when he got offered the Bowling Green job. Bowling Green, 
we know is in Ohio. It's not like he had necessarily huge ties to Bowling Green. I don't know, but, but there was a little bit, it's like back in his home state. Right. But he also thought for a Mac school, I have a chance to go win there, but that had some ties. Right. So then he goes to Utah. I don't, I don't, and I hope I'm not misspeaking. I don't know that urban had any ties to Utah, but it was just a next step. It was a place where he thought he could go win. He inherited some talent, including Alex Smith. He did recruit, raise a level of recruiting there, hired a good staff, but that was not a connections job. That was, that's an opportunity to win job. Then he goes to Florida. He had a choice between Florida or Notre Dame after Utah. He had the connections to Notre Dame, but he thought Florida was a better chance to win. I can go win there. Ron Zook has recruited well. There's talent there. They just need to get over the top and I'm going to take recruiting to the next level. So that's just a chance to win job. And then he comes to Ohio State, which is, a connections job, which is that means something to him. So he's had four head coaching jobs in his life. Two were in his home state and two he had no real personal connection to. They were just go win jobs. So Texas is just a go win job, but he's taken just go win jobs before. And when he's taken them, he's won immediately. And so this is just the challenge. I think probably from a family standpoint, they'd probably like Austin. They actually probably would like Austin. They might fit better in Austin than they do in Columbus, just because I think they like Florida. They like going to the lake, right? I mean, Shelly Meyer seems to like nice weather. Who doesn't like nice weather? But I don't think that would be difficult. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. But the other thing, and this is why we can't know it. We can't know it for sure. I do think he's got a good gig. So if it's not perfect, why would you? He's not going to mess up what he's got going on if he thinks he's got a 50-50 chance of of doing well at Texas. I think he would need to think he's got a 90-10 chance of doing well at Texas. And so you don't know all the inner workings, but if Texas can pitch the right thing and they've got a lot of things in place, I do just think it makes it kind of makes sense because then it's then it's one of those things. If he gets offered Texas and everything at Texas is lined up and he doesn't take it, then maybe he's done. Because then what are you waiting for? Maybe it's Notre Dame. Maybe he said to himself, I'm never coaching again unless it's Notre Dame. Because he has two very important things in his life. And that was, I mean, Ohio State and Notre Dame were just occupied special positions. So he's done one. Maybe he said that to himself. But if he hasn't said that and he's open to college football coaching, man, it, to me, it's harder to find a better opportunity for him than Texas. And I think he would flip it right away because he doesn't even have, it's not like they have sanctions. He had more to overcome at Ohio state when he got here. They just haven't figured out the recruiting and the developmental stuff the way they need to. And urban would figure it out. And it's one of those things. It's no offense to these guys, but Chris Ash, Tom Herman, a lot of these guys, they try to copy the urban playbook and it turns out you can copy the playbook, but if you're not the dude, it doesn't work. And so I think Texas has gotten a version of the urban Meyer style, but they didn't get urban. So maybe they'd really, but it's not going to be money. It's not like urban's going to say, give me 12 million a year. And if Texas says, we'll only give you 10, I mean, he's got plenty of money. It's about whether he, whether it's going to make him happy and whether he wants to do it. And only he can answer that. And honestly, our texters are also asking two other specific questions. One we've covered before, and I don't know how long we want to go down this road tonight because we're already getting kind of long, but just, you know, how much of the staff at Ohio State would, would he potentially siphon yeah. off? So uh, that is a concern, I guess. Um, I, we've talked before about this, though, and, and 
speculated about which ones might be. I think you're right about Corey Dennis. That one obviously seems the most obvious. Wherever, if, if Urban Meyer were to go anywhere else and be a head coach, that would seem to be a logical guy that he would probably pull with him. Uh, as far as the rest of the, the infrastructure, I, I don't know. You would have a better grasp, I suppose, Doug. But I, we've also, as we've talked about in the past, these are guys who are kind of established here now, and, and Ohio State's got a good thing going for it. So I've, I've always said this. Uh, I'm, I think I believe it pretty strongly. I think Pantone stays. I think Mark Pantone stays. I did a story with Mark about that. Mark has built a life here. Uh, and I think Mickey Marotti goes. Mickey Marotti is Urban Meyer's right-hand man. He's that first. He's Urban Meyer's right-hand man before he's Ohio State's right-hand man. And Mark was young. Mark was so young at Florida that Mark really came into his own at Ohio State and has established himself as sort of like this recruiting guru, the general manager of a college football program. He almost helped create the position he now occupies, yeah. and he has created a tree. He has his own recruiting tree of people who have come through here. He has organized a national convention of recruiting guys that Mark has really – stood on his own two feet by establishing this here. And Mickey, I think, had already stood on his own two feet. And that's just a – Mickey was Mickey at Florida. And now Mick came here and just added to what he already was. But they just have such a personal connection. They're in lockstep, I think. They go way back together. They're the same age. I just think I could see Mickey going. And then Ohio State would just – but Mickey has his own tree. You know, Mickey has his guys who are all different places who, you know – were they were at Rutgers, they were at different. So Ohio State would just hire one of Mickey's proteges to step in and be what Mick has been. Now, would he be as good? I don't know that anybody's. I mean, Mickey Marotti is excellent at his job. He's more than a strength coach. They say that a million times. But I think that would be it. I don't think, I mean, I don't think, you know, Brian Hartline's not going to Texas because of Urban. Kerry Combs isn't going to Texas because of Urban. Larry Johnson's not going to Texas. You know, like Greg Studrawa, Tony Alford. I don't think anybody else has like more of an urban tie that would draw them away from Ohio State. So I just think it would be Corey Dennis and Mickey Marotti would be my guess. But I do think the other component of this is I think it makes it easier for urban to leave because Ohio State has been successful on two fronts. One is I built this thing, I passed it off and it didn't fall apart. I can leave knowing that it's in good hands and that Ryan Day was the exact right guy to take over and they do not need me. The Urban Meyer shadow is gone from Ohio State. If it did hang over the program the first half of last season, the first two-thirds of last season, nobody talks about Urban Meyer anymore, at least in terms of like, well, how's Urban involved in this? We don't ask those questions. It's not, that's not where it is. And that's good. That's good. So like Urban can go. He can feel, he can be free. And the other thing is there might be a little competitive spark. It's like, okay, I built this thing. I passed it on to Ryan. Everybody thinks Ryan is great. I think Ryan's great. Let's go see if I can go to Texas and beat Ryan. Because isn't it fun to beat your friends? Well, and this leads into the next question that other people have. And Stephen, this is for you. Um, what does it mean for Ohio State's recruiting success in Texas if Urban Meyer is now the head coach of Texas? Uh, I don't think it means anything for Quinn Ewers because Ryan Day is still at Ohio State, and that's the reason why these quarterbacks are coming here. And uh, it probably won't mean anything for Caleb Burton either because Ryan Day is, is still at Ohio State, and that's why quarterbacks are coming here and great wide receivers follow great quarterbacks. But all those other positions that Ohio State was dominating in Texas over the time, maybe the Je next Jeff Okuda or the next J.K. Dobbins or the next Baron Browning, maybe they stay home and play for Texas. That's where you see maybe a drop-off at some point, 
Or maybe they just start splitting them. And, you know, the Texas A&Ms and the Baylors of the world and the Oklahomas of the world never get those guys because they're either staying home and they're playing for the University of Texas and playing for Urban Meyer, or they're going to Ohio State and playing for Ryan Day. Why is Ohio State succeeding in Texas? Because Texas is not very good right now. What's going to happen when Urban gets there? I think the bulk of that talent stays home and goes to Texas. I, yeah. I ex- the two yeah. positions I excluded were the quarter, the position that Ryan Day specializes in, and but maybe they wouldn't have they wouldn't have to leave. They wouldn't have to leave. We said already the new Texas coach. What is his first order of business? The new Texas coach. Oh, yeah. The number one thing on his list is what? Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers, and yeah. you're sending the person you called the best recruiter in history to go be the coach of the home state school. That is Quinn Ewer's dream school that he committed to originally. And it's such a dumpster fire. He felt like he could not go there because here's the other thing that would happen. And I just, I, this I think is absolutely hundred percent true. If you think urban Meyer is going to go to Texas and run the JT Barrett offense, I think you're mistaken. You're yeah, no, it's not. Urban Meyer is going to go higher the next Ryan day to run the Ryan Day offense at Texas that will be attractive to Quinn Ewers and Caleb Burton. Now, I'm not saying it's an automatic flip, but I think it would be naive to think, oh, no, it's fine. There'd, there'd be no problem. Ohio State would definitely keep those guys. It's their home state school. It's their home state school. That is a mess. And now you're adding a three national championship rings, a charismatic guy with a resume who is going to hire the best young quarterback, teacher, and play caller in the country. I don't know who it is, but I can remember back when Ohio State was having offensive issues and everybody was like, ah, there's this guy at East Carolina that people seem to like. His name's Lincoln Riley. And everybody was trying to hire him and Oklahoma got him, right? There's a guy out there like that right now. Ah, there's this guy at Iowa State. He's in Mensa. I don't know. People seem to like him. It's Tom Herman. Urban Meyer went and got him. But that was at a time when not everybody was exactly throwing the ball yet. He got Tom Herman to go up tempo. He's going to go get somebody who's going to throw it with a pro style. He's going to keep some of the QB run because Urban can't help himself. He doesn't want Dwayne Haskins quite, but he wants Justin Fields. That's who Urban wants as his quarterback now. He's not looking for JT Barrett. He's looking for the next Justin Fields. So he's going to find an offensive play caller, an offensive coordinator who can do that. So, I'm, I, it would be fascinating. You would have a lot of work to do for the next year and a half, Stephen, because it would be yeah, on for it would Quinn be, Ewers and Caleb Burton. I think Brian Day and Brian Hardline would be in Texas every week at those houses. Well, not at their house, but they would be in Texas a lot and be doing everything in their power if things go back to normal and making sure that Caleb Burton and Quinn Ewers are at every day camp Ohio State has next summer. And we've just always said Ohio State goes into wo- where schools are wounded. And just mm-hmm. our assumption would be Texas would no longer be wounded. So they'd go somewhere else. They would not spend as much time in Texas. So I just would tell people, if you want to guarantee that Quinn Ewers signs next December, hope that Texas makes a bad hire or keeps Tom Herman. If you want to guarantee it, because the minute Texas makes a great hire, I just think it, it has to. It has to open the door a little bit. It's just logical. We'd say the same thing. If the best quarterback in Ohio had signed somewhere else because Ohio State was a mess, and then Ohio State hired Urban Meyer. You'd be like, ho, 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 Urban Meyer's going to go reel that kid back in. That's exactly what Texas has to be thinking. So we can't pretend to know, but I certainly would lower the chances of him sticking to his Ohio State commitment from less – I would make it less than 100%. 
And it has nothing to do with Quinn Ewers. It's just great quarterback from that state. When this happens, you would, whoever they're committed to, whether it's Ohio state or not, I think that's probably a, a reasonable thing to kind of introduce in the conversation. I do think it's fascinating though, because of Ohio state's success there, take, take urban Meyer out of this pretend urban, pretend urban Meyer early on said, I am done with coaching. I am riding off into the sunset of broadcasting. Say he wasn't even being mentioned right now. It is fascinating because of Ohio state's success in Texas to watch who they hire there next. And, and what kind of success they have had recruiting in general, but also recruiting in the state of Texas before and how quickly they can turn it around because Ohio state may, I think Steven's right about how quickly they've done this there and, and done, you know, had that kind of success in Texas. We've talked about before them kind of just, you know, swooping in where there's a deficiency, but that window may be closing. So how quickly do you extract as much as you can out of it before that window closes for good? I think if, if Urban Meyer does end up taking this job and he takes Quinn Ewers right back from Ohio State, that's like the ultimate big brother move, though, of like, you're good, but you're not me yet. No, but it's not. But, that's, but I don't think that's what it is because it's not. No, a, no, no, no. It, yeah, it wouldn't be malice. It would just be a smart job no, by a head coach. To but go it's, get not the, a, it's not an even playing field. It's not 50-50. Yeah. Urban has home field advantage. Yeah. So, so that's the whole thing about this. Ohio State's the road team in this. So you're the underdog when you're the road team in recruiting. You've got to make a better pitch. So the home team should win. When Jim Trestle got hired by Ohio State, the first thing he did was put up a fence around Ohio. That's your first mm-hmm. priority. And if you're a good coach and you have a plan, you should be able to do it because there is a little something in the blood. It's in Quinn Ewer's blood. He's going against his blood to come to Ohio State. So if he feels like he has a somewhat equal chance to develop himself, I just think Texas has the edge. So it's not even, it's not like, Hey, I mean, it's not like, ha ha Ohio state. I beat you for the kid down the road that we never should have lost to begin with, that it was a miracle that you got his commitment at the start, you know? So I don't know. I'm not trying to get that part of it too. Quinn Ewers was committed to Texas. Yeah. I'm not trying to freak out. Ohio. I'm not trying to no, freak out Ohio State fans. It's just it's just real. That, that's real. If Urban Meyer takes his job, that's the first thing he's gonna do is go talk to Quinn Ewers. And and you know, I mean, Kyle McCord's from Pennsylvania. I mean, James Franklin wasn't gonna stop Ryan Day from doing what he wanted mm-hmm. to do. And CJ Stroud was from California, where USC doesn't know what the heck it's yep. doing right now. They weren't gonna stop Ryan Day from doing so. He's won some big road games, but he wins big road games when the home team doesn't handle its business. And if Urban Meyer's at Texas, I think the home team's gonna start handling its business. You think that's the other thing, too. Lots of great coaches at some point stop being as good. I mean, it happens to everybody, but Urban Meyer is young, still yeah. engaged. He would and not Mac be Jones had it has a little has had some recruiting success and showing back up in North Carolina. And it could be a similar thing just on an extreme level because we're talking about urban Meyer, but Mac Brown, let it go at the end of Texas. He lost it a little bit. He yeah. started missing. He started misidentifying prospects. Yeah. They could not identify a quarterback. They missed on a couple, couple different guys. And so he lost it. He did. I mean, he didn't, he didn't just decide to leave Texas on top. I mean, he was great. And then he lost it. Mm-hmm. And then he took a lot of time off and then he got it back at a school where there's not nearly as much pressure, but Urban's young, man. That's the thing. If he if he feels like his health is okay, Urban's young. Urban is vigorous. Urban, if if Urban decides that he can take it, you are getting the best of Urban again for like a five year run, maybe. But you're getting the best of Urban Meyer, and he never fell off at Ohio State. But by the end, I think he probably would say that was no longer the best of Urban Meyer. You know, he wasn't feeling good from a health standpoint. He'd been going hundred miles an hour for seven straight years. 
now he's had a good two-year break. I think you get renewed, reinvigorated Urban Meyer, and he's going to be in Quinn Ewer's living room in five minutes if he's allowed to be. Let's end with one little quick shot of nonsense before we head off into the weekend. Uh, from the 419, if you were a member of a traveling circus, what would your job be? Now, I've never been to a traveling circus. I've been to, like, county fairs and stuff, uh, state fairs, those sorts of things. I've never been to a traveling circus. I am intrigued by the guy who guesses your weight. Like, I think that would be a fun job to, like, you, you kind of insult somebody and then make them get up on the scale and prove you wrong. That seems like a fun job. Probably elephant poop scooper. Wow. Okay. Um, I mean, like, not trapeze. I'm not, like, being a lion tamer. I'm not I'm eating fire. Anything that would require me to be in good physical shape or brave is out. So I'm assuming that I would be scooping poop. I think you'd be on the boardwalk with me. I think you'd be like, you know, uh, you'd be a barker, a carnival barker, of some kind, like trying to get people to come get ripped off at some kind of game. Yeah, like a, like a, like a con man. Yeah. Yeah, which is basically like three-card money, something. Same as a podcast host. I may be I, getting circuses mixed up with something else here, too, by the way. Um, I could see Steven just... up on the trapeze. Steven's on the trapeze. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> could I? Could I? Yes. Will I? No. I'm going to be like in promotions, and I'll go into the city and hand out flyers for people to come check out the circus. It's nice and safe. I don't care if you tell me no, because it's fine. It's I, think that, I think the answer to that question went in a much nerdier way than this uh, texter was meaning when they asked it. We and all picked okay. like circus journalists. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the accountant. I'll be, <laughs> yeah. the, I'd, uh, I'll be, the, I'll be the chief financial <laughs> officer. I'd host, I'd host the weekly podcast about the circus. <laughs> We'd bring on like the bearded lady one week and then like the, you know, the, I, the guy I'll who gets a, a cannonball shot into his stomach. I'll have a booth where we just give, give out Garrett Wilson facts. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Did Guess you how know? much you love Garrett Wilson. Did you know? That that's going to do it for game. this. That's going to do it for this episode of Buckeye Talk. We, uh, Stephen and I, will be in East Lansing at the game on Saturday. We will be podcasting uh, after that game in some form with Doug back home in Columbus, eating his chilies. So come back for that and just stick with Cleveland.com/slash/OSU all weekend. Lots of content still coming in preview of this game, and then obviously. Uh, day of the game. A lot of news will come out when Ohio State finally gets back on the field. So I'm Nathan Baird. He's Stephen Means. He's Doug Lee Maurice. That was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.